Good evening, everybody, and thank you for watching and listening to Talking Sports with Evan. I know I'm a little bit early than what I anticipated, but my workout went a little quicker than I thought. So figured might as well get started and get the show rolling and talk about what I plan to talk about here today. Going to be talking Green Bay Packers. They lose week one in kind of embarrassing fashion. Um Came out flat, came out with little energy, and couldn't answer what Minnesota was doing. And I'm going to kind of talk about that and my concerns um, with that and what I hope to see moving forward with the Green Bay Packers. The other thing I'm going to discuss and talk about, the Wisconsin Badgers loss on Saturday against um, Washington State. And what where I kind of put the blame on that. And I know one of my friends, it's recruiting, it's the recruiting, that's why they lost. And I disagree with that. I'm going to explain why. I'm going to give my reasoning on why I don't why I don't feel it's the recruiting. And I'm sure it'll be seen as I'm just drinking the, you know, company, walking the company line. Um, but I'm actually not. So just make sure you listen ahead and get, you know, on uh, listen and wait to hear my thoughts on where the problem is, lies in Wisconsin right now. And NFL week one is finished. I'm going to give my thoughts around the league, um, overreaction uh, to everything that's happened, um, and my thoughts if it is an overreaction or not. And then I'm going to give my predictions for week two of the 2022 NFL season, which officially started not that long ago with San Diego and Kansas, I mean, sorry, Los Angeles Chargers and Kansas City. So I'm not going to give a prediction on that game since it's already started. But I will give a prediction on all the other games taking part currently on today's NFL docket. So going to start with the Wisconsin Badgers and then talk Packers. The Badgers felt to Washington State and quite embarrassed. Um, I'm, I'm a diehard Badger fan. Uh, you kind of see the flag over my over my uh, shoulder here. Um, the, the Wisconsin sports flag. Uh, I'm a big Badger fan, grew up in Madison, love my Badgers, and very disappointed with what happened Saturday with Wisconsin. And on paper, on paper, this is a team Wisconsin should have easily walked in and beat and got ready for New Mexico State, which they take uh, place this coming Saturday. It's a game they should have easily won. Unfortunately, they didn't. And the why. Um, on paper, Wisconsin's a better team. They're the better team. They've had better recruits. Um, they should have won this game easily. Here's my thought on why they didn't. And I, I've seen this talked about on other other sites. Um, energy. They had no energy. It, Wisconsin came out Saturday looking like they just expected to walk on to Camp Randall Stadium, tighten up those helmets, and they were just going to win. That is how they came out to me. Washington State came out, fired up. The head coach is a Wisconsin native. The running back used to play at Wisconsin. And... They came out full of energy, ready to go. Wisconsin, on paper, even dominated this game. They had more total yards. They had more scoring opportunities. 
they they on paper dominated this game, but ultimately, paper doesn't matter. So Wisconsin outgained Washington State four hundred one to two fifty three, over the air two twenty seven to two hundred. 174 rushing yards, 53. But here's where Wisconsin struggled. 8 of 15 on third down. 0 for 1 on fourth down. Including a horrific play call on a fourth and three that gave the ball back to Washington State where they didn't give their quarterback a chance. They did a bootleg to the right. Running back goes out for a route. There's nobody else out there. And he's got to just kind of throw it away into the feet of the running back and Hope for the best. Penalties. 11 penalties for 106 yards for Wisconsin. They lost two fumbles and they had an interception. They got the interception back right away. But um, two fumbles lost. One which they had the ball would have been inside the five-yard line on their final drive of the game. 11 penalties, as I mentioned, for 106. The most penalties they've had in quite a while. And Wisconsin's traditionally the least penalized team in the Big Ten, the least penalized team in the country. But they kept making mistakes. They're improved, but they kept making mistakes, especially along the offensive line. There were a lot of penalties on the offensive side of the ball for holding. Every time it looked like Wisconsin got a rhythm going, flag, holding, 10-yard penalty, replay the down. That is what you saw a lot of. And it was disappointing. And I put a lot of that on the coaching. It is the coaching staff's job to get the team in the best position to win. And I don't feel Paul Christ and company did that. The Badgers defense, aside from giving up a couple big plays, played played really well. But they gave up too many big plays. Um, and you're not going to win a lot of games playing just how lethargic Wisconsin played. Graham Mertz looks much better. Graham Mertz went 18 to 31 for 227 and two touchdowns. Had a bad interception that the Badgers ended up getting back. But Graham Mertz looks a lot better. Um, one of the things I, I criticize this coaching staff for is Braylon Allen, 21 carries for 98 yards. And then you got Chaz Malusi, 15 carries for 44 yards. I think Chaz is a great complimentary piece to Braylon Allen. He's a good guy to put out there to give Braylon Allen a break because you don't want him to carry the ball 40 times a game. But of those 15 carries, five to 10 of them should have went to Braylon Allen. I, I'm, that, that, I'm be, I, that's just my opinion there. Five, five to 10 of those carries that went to Chaz should have went to Braylon Allen. He's a complimentary piece. He's not a, you, you, there's no reason to almost split your carries 50-50. Braylon Allen is a great running back already as a true sophomore, 18-year-old running back. He, he played outstanding last year, showed that he deserves to carry the load. And I know he got wore down at the end of the year, had some anchor issue, ankle issues. You don't necessarily want to overuse him so early in the year. But when you end up having a game closer than you thought, and he is starting to pick up some yards, he's starting to get a rhythm going, you keep beating him the ball. I, I'm not a big fan of that. Um, to me, this loss is on Paul Christ. And I know Bobby Ingram was calling the offense. Well, how can you blame Paul Christ for that? 
Paul Christ handprints were still all over that game plan. You brought Bobby Ingram in to try to open up the offense a little bit more. Yes, you have your Wisconsin roots. You have your bread and butter. Everything starts with the ground game. But formation-wise, the pace, the pre-snap movement on offense, it was looked like Paul Chris was still running everything. It looked like a Paul Chris offense. And I don't feel he put Ingram or Graham Mertz in the best position to be successful. Graham Mertz, uh, yeah, he could have had some better passes on some of his deep balls, but overall, Graham Mertz played well. And uh, I think involving Graham Mertz in the passing game a little bit more is going to help. One comment that Paul Chris did make um, following the game, and at first when I heard it, I was a little turned off by it, but now thinking back is, Graham Mertz probably should have took some checkdowns. He threw some deep balls on some plays where he probably could have checked it down and got some chunk yardage that way. That everything doesn't have to be down the field, but that's how he's going to learn. And next week or this week against New Mexico State should be a win. Badgers are 34 point favorites. Should be an easy win. It better be an easy win. Um, you got Ohio State coming up on the 24th, a week from Saturday under the lights in Ohio, in, in, in Columbus, Ohio. You can't afford to get caught with your pants down against New Mexico State, a team that's 0-3 on the season who shouldn't be in the same stadium as you, let alone um, same ball game as you. So easy thing for Wisconsin to do, come out early, come out swinging, get some points early, Finish it off early and don't let them hang around. One of the biggest issues against Washington State is Wisconsin let Washington State hang around. They were slow out of the gate. It was a 14-7 game at halftime, and Wisconsin couldn't score after that. And like I said, Wisconsin just let Washington State hang around way too much in this game. So that that's how upsets happen. When you let inferior teams hang around, That is how upsets happen, and Wisconsin, unfortunately, got upset on Saturday. And here's another thing why I put it on is, to me, it's not the recruiting. Um, I understand that the 2022 recruiting class for Wisconsin, not that great on paper. 2023 isn't looking that great on paper either. But here is the recruiting classes that should be making a huge impact right now for Wisconsin. The 2019 recruiting class was 30th in the country. Not bad for Wisconsin. Not bad at all. And they ranked 6th in the Big Ten in 2019. 2020 rolls around, and they're 27th in the country overall recruiting that that's good again that is outstanding for wisconsin in 2020 and in the big 10 in 2020 they're fifth that's the big 12 big 10 they're fifth in the country behind ohio state michigan penn state and nebraska the four teams that are normally in the top half of the conference for recruiting 
Again, another strong class by Wisconsin. And then 2021, 2021, 16th in the country, 16th top recruiting class in the country, and they're third in the Big Ten. So when you look at how Wisconsin has recruited the past, you know, the 2019, 2020, 2021, when you look at how they've recruited in those three classes, those are the guys that should be making huge impacts with your team right now. And a couple of them are. I point to player development. And unfortunately, in 2020 and last year, player development lacked. Um, the offensive line looks better already under an offseason of Bob Bostead, back coaching the offensive line after he coached inside linebackers the past number of years. You know, he used to coach O-line at Wisconsin, left Wisconsin, came back and was coaching the inside linebackers to a very high level of play. Well, now he's back coaching the offensive line. And the offensive line has gotten better. They're not back where we want Badgers' offensive line to be, but they're better. And the offensive line is definitely not an area where the Badgers have been lacking in recruiting. They had the 16th best player in the country recruited in 2021 offensive tackle um they had the 14th um 131st best player in the country four-star guy offensive tackle so they've been recruiting offensive linemen and getting offensive linemen in here even if you look at last year where they were 41st in the country they had 85th ranked player in the country ninth at his position number one in the state offensive tackle so they're, they're getting the linemen in. The problem is the development. They're not developing them like they used to. They haven't developed wide receivers like they used to. They got a nice young receiving core this season, but they haven't been developing wide receivers. And Carson Wentz, not Carson Wentz, I'm jumping to NFL, Graham Mertz, um, he did not look good um, in 2020 following the Illinois game. And he did not look good last year either. Quarterback development has been lacking. And a lot of that falls on Paul Chris because he was the offensive coordinator, quarterback's coach, and head coach all in one while navigating a very difficult situation, difficult time in the program. <clears throat> and a lot of that fell flat. And now Paul Chris' nephew is in charge of the quarterback's room. And guess what? Paul Chris... Uh, Graham Mertz is playing much better with Paul Chris' nephew running the quarterback's room. And I'm happy to see where the development is going now after being stuck in the mud the last two seasons. But player development needs to continue to get better and show that they're better if Wisconsin wants to get back to Wisconsin football. And the big thing, too, let Bobby Ingram run the offense. You brought him in to bring some elements of a NFL style offense to your team from the Baltimore Ravens. He was a tight ends coach for the Ravens. You brought him in for a reason. Let him run the offense, give him the opportunity to put his handprints in this offense. And you're the head coach. You have final, obviously final say in what's going to happen. So that that's kind of my very long ramble about Wisconsin and why they're at the state or the situation they're currently in. 
Hopefully they show up Saturday with a lot more energy, a lot more passion, a lot more fired up than they were against Washington State. Was, uh, New Mexico State is not any good. They lost to Minnesota 30 to nothing. And guess what? Minnesota is not that good. So Wisconsin better beat New Mexico State quite handedly. Moving on, Green Bay Packer related. First of all, congrats to the Vikings at getting that week one victory. Secondly, is any Packer fan really surprised that the Packers lost in week one? This is the third season in a row, sorry, second season in a row where they've lost week one. This is the third time in four years where they have not looked good in week one. The one time they looked really good in week one was against the Minnesota Vikings. Uh, LaFleur's second year with the team, COVID year. The offense came out firing on all, all cylinders, and the Packers just completely annihilated the Minnesota Vikings. Um, outside of that, year one, year three, and this year, the offense has looked very flat, very lethargic, very off schedule. They're not running the Matt LaFleur offense. At, at times, it doesn't look like they're doing that. And it was a tough loss. The Packers are the better team. Aaron Rodgers is the better quarterback. Dylan and Jones are a very good running back tandem. I know you're without your two top tackles. I don't necessarily agree with your choice at right tackle and right guard in the game. I think you could have done better than Rice Newman and uh, Hanson at right guard and right tackle. I think that was a mistake. But on paper, the Packers should have won. But unfortunately, the game's not played on paper. And when the game actually happened, it was it was it was tough to watch. Offensively, there was no rhythm to the Packers' offense. No motion. No moving around. Very stationary. Um, I mentioned the offensive line decision already. Should not have gone with uh, Royce Newman at right tackle and Hanson at left right guard. Uh, right guard. Probably shouldn't have done that. Um, the first play of the game was brilliant for the Packers on offense. It was a great first play of the game. The Vikings are not expecting the Packers to go deep to one of these rookie running uh, rookie wide receivers on the first offensive play of the game. Christian Watson ran right past, past, past Patrick Peterson. Peterson had no chance, and all Watson had to do was catch that football Packers answer back after the Vikings first offensive drive and it's a 7-7 game. Instead he drops it. Third play of the game Romeo Dobbs runs the wrong route and Packers have to punt. Anytime the Packers started to get in rhythm on offense they struggled to sustain that and a lot of that had to do with up front. The Vikings up front seven played an outstanding game. They, they attacked the line of scrimmage especially Newman and Hanson on the right side. Nijman played pretty well. Zach Tom played pretty well for a rookie, considering after John Runyon left with the concussion. But the Packers just kept shooting themselves in the foot over and over and over again by missed assignments up front, running uh, not correct routes in the passing game. They, they kept getting in their own way. Rodgers made a point of saying that in his post-game press conference. I agree watching the game. Rewatching some of the plays in the game. Yes, they got in their own way constantly. 
And some of it was just great scouting, great film watching um, from getting ready for the game, like the fourth down play at the goal line to A.J. Dillon. Zadarius Smith was ready for that. He expected it to happen, and he he bit, he baited Rodgers to give him the ball to Dillon and then crashed down hard, and it, unfortunately, it didn't go anywhere. I hate the play call, personally. Uh, I don't like going in shotgun at the goal line on fourth down when you don't have an offensive line that's great in run pro anyways. Your best bet is lining Rodgers up under center and giving it to Dylan that way or a QB sneak, which the Packers don't really do with Aaron Rodgers because I don't think Rodgers likes doing it. Rodgers mentioned he should have tucked the ball and ran. I guess hindsight, it's easy to say that. Probably should have. He would have walked in easily. But that's 14 points right there. The Packers literally left on the field by boneheaded mistakes and idiotic play calling and being stupid. So I have concerns. Um, Defensively, the Packers played a very conservative zone style, soft zone defense. You got three really good, well, two really good cover corners in Alexander and Rasua Douglas, and you have an up-and-coming cover corner in Eric Stokes. You got three guys that you can, okay, Alexander, you're on Jefferson. Um, Douglas, you're on Thielen. Stokes, you're in the slot or whatever. Or you can flip-flop Douglas and Stokes. But they went soft zone, and the Vikings countered with the Packers playing back in zone. By moving Jefferson all alone, um, all all along the offensive line, moving him around, motion, jet sweep action, all over the line of scrimmage. And he's getting wide open and you're having breakdowns and coverage, passing guys on to the other to the next zone where there's nobody in the next zone to to do anything. The defensive game plan was bad. Joe Barry came in to camp this year. With looking like with looking like he had a defense that was ready to be one of the top defenses in the NFL. Front the front defensive line is better than it's been for a long time with Reed and Kenny Clark and some young guys ready to, to fire, ready, ready to play in Slayton and Rashawn Gary. He had he had a good game. You know, he's ready to take that next step. He was a guy predicted to be defensive player of the year. Fortunately, Khalil Mack had other plans on Sunday, and he uh, probably currently the front runner for that award with T.J. Watt out for several weeks. Or you can always give it to Von Miller, he, uh, Micah Fitzpatrick. Those guys obviously looking more better choices right now, but it's a long season. I don't like the game plan the Packers came with. They came too passive. They have an aggressive defense, but you come out passive. I don't get it. I don't understand it. And I don't get paid the money that Joe Barry does to game plan and do get put the game plan together and put the scheme in place and put the people in position to run it. I don't get paid the money to do that. I'm just like everybody else uh, sitting at home watching it on TV, but I did not like what I saw. And the Packers need to be aggressive and physical, attack the line of scrimmage and make things difficult for the opposing quarterback. Kirk Cousins does not do well under duress. So we're going to play soft zone and let him pick holes in the zone. Doesn't make any sense. We'll see if anything changes against Chicago. You're going up against uh, Justin Fields, who can beat you numerous ways. 
with his legs, or he can beat you deep downfield with his arm. If he's on, he can be dangerous. He's got a very strong arm, and he's a great athlete. Um, so it'll be interesting to see what the Packers do defensively different than what they did. Now, fortunately, with Chicago, you don't have the running back or the wide receivers that Minnesota has and Je- Jefferson and Cook. You don't have that in Chicago, so it should be easier to try to slow down. You don't have to strain any position uh, one way or the other to try to slow down Chicago's offense. And I'm going to get the Chicago game in a minute, just a few more things to talk about in the Packer-Viking game. Other thing, second year in a row that the Packers come out lacking energy, very lethargic, very slow, looking very unprepared. Every one of Matt LaFleur's losses so far in his tenure, what I just said best explains, for the most part, how the Packers look starting the game. And when they start to turn it on, it's too little, too late. The playoff game against San Francisco looked very flat, looked very slow, looked very lethargic. The playoff loss against Tampa Bay, they're in a, they're in a what, 14 nothing hole early on when the offense looks slow, lethargic. That's concerning to me. And I like Matt LaFleur. I think Matt LaFleur is a really good coach, but I think sometimes he just overthinks it. And I get, you know, examples starting Royce Newman at right tackle and Jake Hansen at left uh, right guard. And uh, sorry, Newman at right tackle. Um, I think LaFleur overthinks it and thinks he's the smartest guy in the room. He did that against San Francisco by keeping Yash Nijman, a guy who's earned that starting position on the bench. I I think that's one of his weaknesses is he. And then the other thing, the issue the Packers have, it's like after that drop by Watson, it like took the sale completely out of the team, even more so than it already was. And it's like they had lost the game already. That's That's the body language and emotions that I saw from the team. LaFleurs talks about all gas and no effing break, but too often he comes out with the team flat, lacking enthusiasm, lacking energy, and I'm personally getting tired of hearing about that. It's time to correct it. It's time to look at the film, correct it, and now if you lose to the Vikings and it's just because the Vikings are the better team, fine, I can live with that. But when you lose because you come out flat, lacking enthusiasm, lacking energy, lacking any urgency throughout the game, getting in your own way, having way too many mental mistakes, I can't get behind that. You're not going to go 17-0 and in the NFL. But if you're going to lose, I hope you lose competitively. And unfortunately, two years in a row, week one, the Packers lose with egg on their face because they play poor, pathetic football. Now we got the Bears. And my first my first comment about the Bears is we don't know what the Bears are going to be. Yes, I know we have one week worth of film on the Bears, but we really don't. They played in torrential rain. The field was practically a, a lake. Uh, couldn't grip the ball well, couldn't see anything with the rain coming down, couldn't run your offense at all. So we don't really know what the Bears are yet. They scored a, what, two touchdowns on broken plays? 
We don't know what the Bears are yet. Are the Packers a better team than the Bears? Yes. And what the Packers need to do to beat Chicago, make sure you get Aaron Jones involved. You did not get him involved enough against Minnesota. When he was involved, he played extremely well, ran the ball extremely well, uh, made things happen when he caught the ball. You need to get him the ball more. You need to get A.J. Dillon the ball more. Hopefully, Alan Lazard plays so you get a receiver the Rodgers is a little bit more comfortable in throwing to. And you got to get some trust in the rookies. Defensively, Justin Fields is still young. So let's attack him. Let's get after him. The offensive line isn't that good. The receivers aren't that great. Let's get after it. Let's attack him. Let's make things difficult for Justin Fields from opening kickoff to final whistle. Make things difficult for him. There's really no reason. And when you get a hand on him, bring him to the ground. What you can't have happen is leave your gap because you think you have the sack and then you don't get him down and then he runs right where you right where you came from for a huge gain. You can't allow that to happen. I expect a lot more zone this week because you don't want to have your back to Justin Fields because he can beat you with his legs. I think the Packers win this game. Ten and a half favorites is a little high for me. But I think the Packers win this game. They look more like the Packers of old. I think they push 30 to 40, uh, 35 points. And the Bears are probably going to struggle to score 17 to 20 points. So I think it's going to be 31-17 Green Bay as the Bears score a late touchdown to make it a little bit closer than it actually is. But the Packers better come out with some urgency, with some fire, with some enthusiasm, ready to go. Not like what they did against Minnesota. And I guess against the Saints in Jacksonville, I can excuse it a little bit because now you're playing someplace you weren't expecting to play in. But you... Against a division rival like the Minnesota Vikings with a new head coach, um, really no reason why you should come out flat and lack enthusiasm in that game. It shouldn't happen. And that is not okay. Around the rest of the NFL week one action, uh, some surprises, some not. Thursday night football, the Bills completely destroyed the Rams, 31-10. to 10. Von Miller, he just makes things happen anywhere he goes, and the Bills may have gotten that piece that they were lacking to get them over the top in the, in the AFC and into that Super Bowl. If they would have had Von Miller on their team when they beat the – when they played the Chiefs uh, – and lost to the Chiefs with 24 seconds to go, the, the Bills probably win, but they don't. But now they have a pass rusher like Von Miller who can take over a game. Eagles and Lions, 38-35. Eagles win. Not really surprised. Lions defensively are not that good. Offensively, they can be. Offensive line is really good. Running game is really good. But they, they're not ready to be a team like the Eagles. The Bears beat the 49ers 19-10 in a complete monsoon. Trey Lance did not look good, but let's not overreact yet. Let's see how Trey Lance plays in a little bit better weather conditions than he had. Steelers beat the Bengals 23-20. Bit of a surprise. Um, was not expecting Joe Burrow to have five turnovers. Uh, he not expecting it, but I guess it's not too surprising because um, because of health reasons, he didn't... Um, play a lot with his new offensive line. So that's a work in progress. 
The Dolphins beat the Patriots 20-7. Not a surprise. Uh, the Patriots tend to struggle in South Beach, but offensively, the concerns that I've talked about and a lot of other people have talked about, the concerns for the Patriots showed lack of offense with Joe Judge and Matt Patricia now calling the offense. The Browns beat the Panthers 26-24. Not really surprised. Uh, Saints beat the Falcons 27-26. I was surprised with how much the how close the Falcons kept it for a while, even having the lead at one point. And they gave up the lead in the fourth quarter with the Saints coming back to win. The Ravens beat the Jets 24-9. The only surprising thing in that game is Lamar Jackson didn't really run the ball at all. He beat the Jets with his arm. The Commanders beat Jacksonville 28-22. Carson Wentz looked like Carson Wentz uh, in that game. The Giants beat the Titans 21-20. A little bit of surprise there, especially Derrick Henry struggling so much. Chiefs beat the Cardinals 44-21. That surprised me. Cardinals, well, Cardinals are supposed to be a better team than 21 points, but they struggled to score against the Chiefs, and the Chiefs dominated that game all around. The Chargers beat the Raiders 24 to 19. Already talked about the Packers and the Vikings and the Colts and the Texans. A 2020 tie. Who doesn't love a week one tie? <laughs> so the AFC South had no team get a victory on Sunday, and two of their teams played each other and ended up being a tie. Um, the Cowboys lost to the Buccaneers 19 to 3 with now. Uh, Dak Prescott missing at least four to six weeks with thumb surgery, um, fractured his thumb. That's a huge loss for the Cowboys as they can pretty much kiss their um, they can pretty much kiss their um, playoff hopes goodbye already. Um, and then the Broncos lose to Seattle 17-16. What a rough first game by Nathaniel Hackett and the Quest going for a 64-yard field goal on fourth and five with a minute left. Instead, he runs the clock, play clock way down, calls timeout, and kicks the field goal. Is he going to be able to get through that at all? Um, is he going to be able to get through that at all um, over that? Because it does not look good in week one when you lose to a team that you're supposed to be significantly better than. And final thing is guarding that game. Great job by Geno Smith. He did a great job. Um, happy to see him play well, but let's pump the brakes on him being a uh, uh, a brand new come from you know must have uh, type player because he's still he he, he is still um, <laughs> he's still Geno Smith. I guess let's put it that way. He is still. Geno Smith, and let's pump the brakes on him a little bit. Let's see what he does in week two. And speaking of week two, one game underway already. The Chargers are leading the Chiefs 10-7. to Patriots and Steelers in Pittsburgh. I think Pittsburgh wins that game with Mac Jones. Will slowed with, uh, with a back issue, a back spasms. I think Pittsburgh wins that game. Panthers and Giants. I think the Giants start the year 2-0 and and things do not start good for Baker Mayfield. I think the Browns beat the Jets. The Browns somehow, shockingly, start the season 2-0 and when everyone was basically writing them off because 
Deshaun Watson was not available and Jacoby Brissett was your starting quarterback. But the Browns offensively played to their strengths, the run, and it looked and it did went well and they got the win. I think that happens again against the Jets and Joe Flacco. I think the Colts get their first win. They've struggled in Jacksonville in the past, but I think the Colts get their first win of the year in a tight, hard-fought ball game. The win by field goal, new kicker. I think the kicker gets his first uh, – I think he kicks the game-winning field goal for the Colts. I think Colts Nation is panicking, but then the kick goes through. The Ravens, I think, are going to beat the Dolphins. I think the Ravens are just the better team. The Saints are going to beat Tampa Bay. Tampa Bay is hurting right now. Tom Brady, I think, is hurting right now. And I think the Saints get the better of Tampa Bay. That defense for the Saints is really good. And I think Winston has a good game. The Lions are going to beat the Commanders. As I said, the Lions are a good team on paper. Defensively, they're going to struggle. But uh, offensively, I think they're going to surprise a lot of people. And if that run game they could potentially have, the defense might not matter much. I think the 49ers get their first win of the season against the Seattle Seahawks. Unfortunately, it's going to be another rough day for um, Trey Lance in that one. But the 49ers squeak out the win. The Rams beat the Falcons in probably the biggest blowout of the weekend. The Raiders are going to beat the Cardinals. Cardinals starting the year 0-2, not the position they want to be in. The Broncos get up on the win column with a big win over the Texans this week. The Bengals beat the Cowboys quite easily without Dak Prescott. I already talked about the Packers beating the Bears this week, and I think the Bills beat the Titans and the Eagles beat the Vikings on Monday Night Football. So that is my thoughts on Week 2 action. Thank you so much for watching. Thank you so much for listening. Uh, I appreciate the support. Um, Talking Sports with Evan uh, is the name of the show. You can find me on Facebook, Talking Sports with Evan, or you can tweet at me at Evan with Sports. I will be back with you all next week to hopefully talk about a Packer victory here on Talking Sports with Evan.